Did you, did you get what I just said there? How many got what I just said? There's a lot, a lot, a lot of prayer is is just getting alone with God, not saying anything, but just just waiting on Him and listening. And as we go through these next couple of weeks, I'll show you some instances where people heard and congregations actually heard from the Lord in a time of prayer where He talked back to them. And so uh, we're going to be talking about various aspects of prayer. But prayer is a it's a communication system between us. And the Lord, and uh, it's vitally important that we know how to pray. Uh, I'm convinced one reason that more Christians don't pray than what they do is they've never been taught to pray, or they've never been taught properly how to pray. And so we're going to endeavor to teach you how to pray here over the next next uh, several weeks. In Matthew the sixth chapter and the fifth verse, Jesus said, "When you pray, Matthew six verse five, when you pray." Not if you pray, but when you pray. He said, don't be like the hypocrites. They love to pray standing in the synagogues on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. So first thing I'd tell you about prayer, it's not about impressing other people when you pray. Did, did you get Did you get that? It's not about your eloquence of speech. It's not about impressing other people that might hear you when you pray. Prayer is not between you and other people, it's between you and the Lord. You need to realize that. And a lot of times, because I've been in prayer groups, many of them over the years, one reason people don't pray in a prayer setting, one reason they've never been taught to pray, they don't know how to pray, but another reason is they're intimidated because they think that if they do pray, that other people they're listening are going to think that that they're not spiritual because they're not saying all the right words and, and and. Prayer is not about impressing other people. It's about it's about connecting with God, you see. And uh, so anyway, he said, verse 6, When you pray, go into your room, and when you've shut your door, pray to your Father who's in, se- who's in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, don't use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they'll be heard for their many words. It's interesting, you don't have to... Say a lot to be effective in prayer. You don't have to say a lot to be effective in prayer. Some of the greatest prayers in Scripture were not very long. Uh, Moses, when Miriam got hit with leprosy, he said, Heal her now, O God, I beseech thee. You know, I mean, that's not a very long prayer, but it was effective. I'd rather pray a short prayer in faith be effective than a long, eloquent prayer that that has no faith in it, no power. You don't have to be long-winded to be effective. You know that? You know that? You don't have to be eloquent. Do you know the Apostle Paul was not an eloquent speaker? Did you know that? How many knew that? The Apostle Paul, he was not an eloquent speaker. And though he was very educated, he didn't write... On a very uh, highly educated level. He wrote where people could understand him. Now some of the things Paul wrote were hard to understand. Peter even said so. But primarily Paul. He wasn't eloquent of speech. But he spoke in the power of God. I'd rather speak with the power of God. Than a bunch of eloquence. Would you? So so anyway. Verse 8. Therefore don't be like them. Your father. No, now here's the thing. I want to get to this, verse 8. Your father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. Now, this always tripped me up. uh, Because I asked the question, why in the world do we even need to pray? Because if the father knows what we have need of, and you have to realize, I wasn't raised, I wasn't taught to pray as a child. It was, God is great, God is good, let us thank him for our food. I learned that on Romper Room. Miss Lois, how many remembers? And she looked in that magic mirror at the end. How many remembers that? You know, and, and I was waiting for her to call Terry. She called Terry one time and I thought she was talking to me. Or over the lips, over the gums, look out, Tommy, here it comes, you know. This is the kind of praying I did as a kid. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. I mean, you know. You know, if you think about that, that's, 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 
One reason folks don't get any more answers to the, their prayers than what they do is they don't pray in line with Scripture. How many of you know we need to pray in line with Scripture? We'll say more about that as we go. But that's how I was taught, if you call it that, to pray. But the thing that tripped me up with prayer is if God already knows what we need before we ask Him, why in the world do we need to pray? Isn't that a good question? I think that's a good question. If God already knows, and Jesus just said, your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask Him. If He already knows, and we know that He knows because He knows everything... Why do we need to pray? And that was a stumbling block for me for years. I mean, why am I asking God? Why am I praying when God already knows what I have need of? So on and so forth. But then I finally found this out many, many, many years ago. And here's the answer to it. At least I feel this is the answer to it. It would seem that due to the way God set the authority structure... Of this earth up. Go back to the Garden of Eden. And when God, you know, he made, he he, actually, if you study the book of Genesis, in the beginning God created heavens and the earth, and the earth was out form and void. Darkness was upon the face of the deep. So apparently that's where Lucifer had fallen there. And then as you go on past that, God is refurbishing the planet and whatnot. He makes man of the dust of the ground, breathes into him the breath of life. Then he puts man to sleep and then takes from his side the woman and so forth. He got Adam and Eve there. And then he gives the authority to this planet over to Adam. Is that correct? And he gives him dominion, him and his wife. Is that correct? <clears throat> and so the way God set this up is he essentially leased this planet out to Adam and his wife. The Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Right? He said the heaven, even the heaven of heavens is the Lord's, but the earth he's given to the sons of men. Is that, is that right? Does the Bible say that? So he gave him authority. And you know, if, if you owned a building, let's say you owned a house, and you leased it to somebody, who owns the house? You own the house, is that right? But the person you leased it to, they've signed a lease, they have certain rights there. Is that correct? And, and, and if you've leased a house out to somebody, do you think you could come in there at midnight without their permission and just start looking through the house? You'd probably go to prison or, or you'd probably get arrested or something. But but that's your house. Yeah, but what did you do? You so they have rights there, don't they? And so essentially that's what God did with 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 man when he put him here in the earth, gave him authority. Now, is God omnipotent, all powerful? Yes, he is. Is he sovereign? Yes, 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 yes. But the way he set this planet up. Just like you own the house, but you leased it out. You can't go in there and do whatever you want, whenever you want. Is that correct? Even though you own the house. Is that right? Well, the same way God set this planet up, and he leased it to man. So God, though he is all-powerful and, he, and he, he, he owns everything, he can't, because of the way he set it up, he can't just come in and do whatever he wants, whenever he wants. Did you get that? And that's not saying that he's not all-powerful. He is. But the way he set it up. And then what did man do? He gave the authority over to who? To the devil. Is that right? And then Jesus came. We'll talk about this on Tuesday night. Jesus came and got that authority back. Did he not? And then he turned right around and gave it back to man, didn't he? In his name. Is that correct? And so because of the way God set the authority structure of this earth up. Listen to this. God's operation in this earth, it would seem to me from my study of it, depends greatly upon the avenue afforded him by our prayers. Did you get what I just said there? So I answered the question, why pray? It's very simple. It would seem that due to the way God set the authority structure of this earth up, that God's operation in this earth depends greatly upon the avenue afforded him by our prayers. Our prayers give God an avenue to operate in this planet. Did you get that? So if we don't pray, then God is limited in how much he can move. And I'm not saying he's not all powerful and omnipotent and all. I'm not saying that. I'm just, if you understand that lease, how many understands that lease example of the house? See, if you understand that, that'll help you with, with your praying. So we need to pray. Why do we need to pray? Because it gives God an avenue to move in the earth. 
It gives God an avenue to move in your life. It gives God an avenue to move in the church. You see, some of the greatest revivals in this nation needs a revival. Is that right? How many of you would agree with me that the United States, we could use a revival. Is that right? Yes or no? <laughs> Definitely. And, uh, but you see, you go back, back and look at a lot of the great revivals. They were all, all, all of them that I've ever studied, they were ushered in by people taking the time to people of God just getting together and praying and, and, and praying, say praying. You know, praying and giving God an avenue to move and do what He wanted to do. Many of the I, I know that great healing revival back in the in the fifties and the sixties that was that was preempted by some men and women just felt led of the Spirit to get get alone with God and pray, and and and, and, and they did, and and they gave God the avenue and He ushered in that great healing revival. You, you understand that? So um, you see, if if we want prayer in this nation. I'm sorry, if we want revival in this nation, I can stand up here and pound on the pulpit and say, we need revival, we need revival, all I want. But, but that's just a bunch of pounding on the pulpit. What we really, what we'll really get, get, get a revival going is what? Is what? Is, is prayer, see? Do you, you understand that? Because prayer will give God an avenue to move. Now, notice in James, the fourth chapter in the second verse, James, the fourth chapter in the second verse, we'll pick up midway through that verse. And the Holy Spirit through James says, you do not have because you do not ask. Well, Jesus said that the Father knows everything we have need of before we ask him. But yet, if you listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying here in James, he says you don't have because you don't, what? Ask. And you ask and you do not receive because you ask how? Amiss. So if you can ask amiss, if you, if you, you, you could be missing in your prayers, couldn't you? Well, if you can be missing in your prayers, why don't we not miss in our prayers? Why don't we hit the bullseye in our prayers? What do you say? And that's what I'm going to try to teach you over the next several weeks, how not to miss when you pray. He said, because you ask amiss, and then he tells you why, that you may spend it on your own pleasures. Now, you see... There's, and we'll talk about this as we go. There's nothing wrong. There's a place in prayer where you ask God, you know, for things. There's certainly, certainly, that's scriptural. But, but motive, when you pray, motives are so important when you pray. Motives are so important when you pray. Lord, give me a million dollars. Well, why? What are you going to do with that million? Are you going to tithe? Oh, I get a million dollars, Pastor, I'll tithe. Do you tithe on the dollar? You know as well as I do, if you won't tithe on a dollar, you won't tithe on a million. Because Jesus said, he that's uh, uh, not faithful in least will, will, will not be faithful in what? In much. So, what's your plan for the million dollars? Do you have a plan to spread the gospel in some way? Or do you just want to buy more stuff for yourself? See, So, motive is all important when we pray. Notice here, you're in James 4. Look at James 5, verse 16. We'll pick up midway through that verse, just because I'm centering in here on prayer. James 5, 16. He says, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. So if a prayer can be effective, it could also be what? Ineffective. I don't want our prayers to be ineffective. I want our prayers to be what? Effective. It says, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man... Well, if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you're righteous, according to the Bible. Okay? A lot of people say, well, I'm not qualified and I'm not righteous. Well, if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you're the righteousness of God in Him. So that qualifies you there. So the fervent prayer, effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. I like the way the Amplified... uh, Ed, could we throw that one up in the uh, Amplified Bible? Uh, let, let's just put that one up in, in the in the Amplified Bible, um, and that's let's see that is uh, James five sixteen. I know I threw you a little curveball there. I didn't have this originally uh, down, but I want to look at it in the Amplified Bible. Notice what it says. This is uh, Ephesians five sixteen. He's he's doing good. Yeah, Ephesians. Uh, what what am I calling for? I want to. Uh, I want James 5.16. Did I say Ephesians? Okay. 
Well, if I made a mistake, I'm sorry. Ed, you're doing a great job. I just threw you a little curveball there. But I want to point this out to you. Look at halfway through that verse or about two-thirds of the way down. The earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man. Now, what does it do? It makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. Now, let's leave that up just a moment. See, see what our prayers do? Our prayers do what? Make tremendous power available. See, it gives God an avenue to do what He wants to do here in the earth. It makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. So, you see, our prayers are very very important. But then, but then again, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man. See, if our prayers can be effective, they could be what? And so we don't want them to be ineffective. We want them to be effective. Okay, now let's go to Ephesians 6.18. Sorry about that, Ed. I, I may have threw you a curveball there, but you're doing a great job. Ephesians 6.18, New King James Version. Now, notice this. This is something that folks don't realize, as they should. I know I sure didn't realize it. Notice this, Ephesians 6.18. says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. We'll talk some more about in the Spirit down the road here. Can't get into that this morning. Being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Praying with all prayer. If you get into the Greek text and study into this, this here, what he's really saying here is praying always with all manner of prayer or all kinds of prayer. Did you know there's more than one kind of prayer? Now, most folk don't realize this, as they should. There's different kinds of prayer. Different kinds of prayer. And uh, I've asked uh, Ed to put the... Can you put that slide up now on the different kinds of prayer? I don't know if you could read that, but notice the kinds of prayer. As I've studied the Bible, there's seven different kinds of prayer... The first six are grouped kind of together, as we'll see, and then the, the seventh one sets by itself. We're going to talk more about that seventh one today, and we'll get into the first six as we go on the next several Sundays. But notice there's the prayer of agreement, which is also known as united prayer or corporate prayer. Church gets together and prays, corporate prayer, you know, united prayer, or the prayer of agreement if two or three shall... Agree is touching anything that they should ask. We'll talk about that. Then there's the prayer of petition, sometimes known as the prayer of supplication. That would be when you pray for yourself. And there's nothing wrong with that. Just be sure your motives are correct. And then there's a prayer of thanksgiving or worship. Prayer of commitment, sometimes known as a prayer of dedication or sometimes known as a prayer of consecration. And then we'll talk about that as we go intercession. That's when you pray for others. And then there's praying in the Spirit. That's with other tongues, as the Spirit would, 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 would give you utterance and so forth. We'll, we'll talk about that as we go. And that, and that, that five, number five and six, intercession and, and praying in the Spirit, those, those two kind of go hand in gloves, glove a lot of times. And then number seven is the, the prayer of faith. And notice I, I put in parentheses there the, the declaration of faith. Number seven is the most misunderstood one on that list. Number seven is the most misunderstood one on that list. Because really number seven isn't really a prayer as we would think of prayer. It's not really a prayer as we would think of prayer. We'll talk about that one here this morning. It's a declaration of faith. Now, before I get go on and say more about number seven, those seven that are listed up there, there's rules that govern these different kinds of prayer. And, and sad to say, and, and I, I sure didn't know anything about this growing up, unfortunately. I've learned some things over the years, thank God. But, but a lot of Christians don't, first of all, a lot of Christians are like me back years ago. They didn't realize that there's many kinds of prayer. They think that all, they just lump all prayer in one category. And uh, they certainly didn't realize there's rules that govern di the different ones. How many of you know, are there, is there, if I say sports, sports, is there just one sport or are there many sports? Many sports. Um, golf, tennis, bowling, football, baseball, basketball. We could go on and on, right? Now, do all the rules of one sport govern all the, all the rules of another sport? 
What if we tried to apply the rules of football to golf? You'd get hurt, wouldn't you? That wouldn't work too good, would it? Or if we tried to apply the rules of of basketball to the rules of tennis. I mean, it's just not going to work. So each sport has its own set of rules. Well, each of these prayers function under their own set of rules, if you will, more or less. And and then I run into these people over the years. I'll say, ah, well, what difference does it make? You know, God knows my heart. And I just pray and God knows my heart. So it really doesn't, doesn't really matter. God knows my heart. Well, this right here, maybe I better not unplug that. This right here is a, uh, it's a, it's an outlet, electrical outlet. Would you agree with me that there are certain rules that, that govern electricity? Yes or no? Okay. Now, my, now God knows my heart. It doesn't really matter. I'm just going to put a bucket of water here. Brian, why don't you get me a bucket of water? And I'm going to stand in this thing and just stick my finger in that lights, in that, in that, in that electrical outlet. Why not? Well, God knows my heart. I mean, you know, my heart's right. I mean, what difference does it make? Well, if I do that, I'm going to get, I'm going to get fried. Am I not? Well, in these kinds of prayer, well, what difference does it make if I, if I, if I try to apply the, the, the one rule of number two to the rule of number four? Well, God knows my heart. Well, how many of you know God knows my heart too when I stick my finger in that, in that, in that, in that outlet there, but I'll get killed, won't I? Let me give you another example. Uh, if I went down to your bank where you've got money and I went in there, and I said, give me, give me Debbie's money. They're, they're going to want to know Debbie who? And I say, Debbie not. Give me her money. And then they're going to they're start asking, are they going to just give me her money? You hope they don't. They're going to start asking some questions, aren't they? And, they're, and are they going to get into some legalities? And they're going to want to know if my name... Is on her, if my name is what? On her account. Do you see where I'm going with this? But now, if she gave me the power of her name, now I could go in there and do something, couldn't I? Yes or no? Well, sure, if she gave me the power legally of her name, did Jesus give us the legality, the power of his name? See, I'm ahead of myself, but see where I'm going with this. You understand? And so what I'm trying to say here is that there's rules that govern these things, these things of prayer. And if we don't follow these rules, then, then we're going to be ineffective in our praying and our prayers will be ineffective and we'll never get them answered. You, do you understand that? You, are you getting anything out of this? I'm not boring you, am I? Okay. Now let's go to James 5.14 here. I want to try to cover as much of this. I want to talk about this prayer of faith. This prayer of faith. And it's number seven on that list. It's, and, and then in the further weeks we'll cover the other ones. Prayer of faith. It's really not a prayer as much as it is a declaration. And it's probably the most misunderstood one on the list. And it's probably the reason that the devil runs roughshod over God's people as much as he does. Because people don't understand this prayer of faith. I really call it a declaration of faith because it's really not a prayer, as you'll see. Notice James 5.14. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick. Now, we're going to see here as we go, I hope you'll be able to see it, that this prayer of faith is not like laying hands on somebody that's sick and saying, Oh God, please heal this person. I've learned from being in the healing ministry now some 20, actually 30 years now, if you add it all up, that you lay hands on somebody and ask God to heal them, you're wasting your time. He's already done all he's going to do to heal somebody. Did you hear what I just said? When you lay hands on somebody, you don't ask God to do anything. You take the authority that's in the name of Jesus and you rebuke the sickness or the disease in the name of Jesus. Did you get what I just said? 
You're going to see this as we go. The prayer of faith, as we'll see, this prayer of faith is not an asking of God to do something. It's making a demand in the name of Jesus on the devil or on the sickness or on the disease to, to move, you see. Do you understand that? You'll see it as we go. He says the prayer of faith will save the sick. The Lord will, notice the Lord, now this is important that you notice this here, the Lord will raise him up. See, when we pray what's known as the prayer of faith, then the Lord Jesus himself will do something. And this will bear itself out as we go. And if he's committed sins, this is a good, this is good news too. If he's committed sins, he will be what? A lot of people say, well, the Lord just won't heal me. I've got sin in my life. Well, call for the elders of the church if you're sick. We'll anoint you with oil in the name of the Lord. We'll pray the prayer of faith that will heal you. and The Lord will raise you up. See, we can't raise you up, but the Lord will. And if you've committed sins, they'll be what? Isn't God good? Now, the prayer of faith, and you need to, if you're taking notes, you ought to write this down. Because I didn't understand this for years. The prayer of faith is not directed at Jesus. In other words, we don't, we're not directing it, oh, Jesus, do something, even though he does do something, but, but we don't, it, it's not directed at him. The prayer of faith is not directed at the Father. The prayer of faith is directed at the problem in the name of Jesus. You need to understand that. The prayer of faith is not directed at Jesus. It's not directed to the Father, the Heavenly Father, but it's directed at the problem in the name of Jesus. Do, do you understand that? Now then, people, and I'm, I'm going to just, just say this very quickly, and then we'll come right back to the prayer of faith. But you must realize, when I say the prayer of faith, people will ask me, they'll say, well, don't all those other six have to be done in faith? Listen, anything you do with God has to be done in faith. So all prayer has to be done in faith. Look at Mark eleven twenty four, and then we'll come right back to this, this, this declaration of faith. But look at Mark eleven twenty four. Jesus said, I say to you, whatever things you ask, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Now this right here is one of the foundational things you need to know about prayer. Is that when whatever things you ask... When you pray, believe you receive them and you will have them. So if you're praying about something, when should you, be, when should you believe that you receive them? When should you believe that you receive them? When you're praying or when they show up? When you pray. Now, did you get that? See, a lot of Christians will pray for something and then they don't believe it until it manifests. But because they're not believing when they pray, it never manifests. Did you, did you get what I just say, said there? See, a lot of Christians, they have to see it to believe it. If you have to see it to believe it, you're not operating in faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not perceived with the five physical senses. You see, when you pray, whatever you're praying about, whether it's this prayer of faith that we're going to talk about here, or whether you're praying for something else, you're, you're believing God for something, you're asking God for something, when you pray, that's when you what? Believe that you receive it. So you... Pray, you ask God for whatever it is, and at the moment you pray, you believe you receive it, and then eventually it will manifest. But when do you believe you receive it? When you what? Did you get that? Oh, I hope you got that, because that is one of the key reasons people never receive from the Lord. They'll pray all right. But then, they're, but, then they're, but then they're waiting for, for a physical manifestation. No, you believe you receive when you what? When you pray. And if you do that, Jesus said that you will get that physical manifestation. Did, did you get that? That's one of the main reasons Christians never receive from God. Right there. You understand that? Meditate on that. Now go to John the 16th chapter, and uh, you can also get your place in John 14. Because prayer really breaks down into two avenues, two streams. Remember that list we had up there a moment ago with those first six things on it? Remember that? Those first six things fall 
under John 16.23. Those first six things fall under John 16.23. The prayer of agreement, petition, thanksgiving, commitment, intercession, praying in the Spirit. All fall in this category. The prayer of faith falls in John 14. We'll look that up in a minute. But let's notice this. John 16.23. Jesus said, and in that day. What day was he talking about? If you look at the context of it, he's talking about the day in which we live. After he's raised from the dead in the dispensation of the church, church age. And in that day, in the day in which we live. Now this freaks people out right here. This really freaks people out. Most people, most Christians, now they don't know this. You need to know this. In that day, you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. Did you realize that when you do your praying, when you're asking God for something, you're not supposed to be directing it at Jesus? Did you know that? Well, if you didn't know, now you know. And did I say it or did Jesus say it? And one reason people's prayers, I'm talking Christians, prayers are ineffective is they're, they're, they're praying to Jesus. Now, now if I said we, ought to, we shouldn't pray to Mary, nobody would argue with me in here on that. Is that right? How many of you know we shouldn't pray to Mary? How many of you know we ought to respect her and love her? She's Jesus' mother. Is that right? He was born of a virgin, had no earthly father. You understand that? But he was born of a virgin. But she was his mother. Don't talk bad about her. Amen? You start talking bad about my mom, I'm going to smack you. You understand? Then I'll ask God to forgive me afterward. You follow what I'm saying? Don't talk bad about her. But we don't pray to Mary. Is that right? No, nobody would argue with me on that. But did you know you're not supposed to pray to Jesus either? Now, there's nothing wrong with talking to him and loving on him. But when you formally direct a prayer... To heaven, you're not supposed to direct it to who? To Jesus. Did he say that? Do you see that? And you know, I hear Christians by the multitudes direct informal prayers, petitions at Jesus. You're not supposed to pray to him. He said that you're not supposed to. He said in this day in which we live, we're not supposed to ask him anything, but we're supposed to ask who? 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 The Father in whose name? There you go. Now you start praying like that, you'll start seeing your prayers become effective. And when you ask the Father in Jesus' name, when you do that, believe that you receive it right when you pray. And then you go on, you act just like you got it. Why? Because you do. You have it by faith. Say by faith. You okay? Now, those first six prayers fit in that category where you go to the Father in the name of Jesus. Now, this prayer of faith is found in John, the 14th chapter. And this is the one I want to talk a little more about here this morning. Go to John 14, verse 13. And in, in, in the English version of the Bible, it's not, it's not clear what he's saying here. You've got to get into the Greek. You can go to a concordance and find out. Don't take my word for it. Go look it up for yourself. But from my study, see John 14, Jesus says this. He says, and whatever you ask in my name, that I will do. Now, what we just read a moment ago, he said you asked the Father in his name and he said the Father would do it. Is that right? Yes or no? Here, he didn't say the Father would do it. He said he'd do it. That's easy enough. You can see that in English, can't you? Can you see that? Just in English, you can see the English Bibles, you can see that John 16, the Father's going to do something. And in John 14, Jesus is going to do something. Is, is that correct? Yes or no? But when you get into the Greek here and you dig a little bit and do some studying, here's what he really said. He said, and whatever you demand in my name, that will I do. That Greek word there for ask really means demand. And if you study into it a little bit, we're not making a demand on God the Father. We're not going up there and demanding God, God demanding. We're not doing that. We're not going demanding Jesus. What we're doing here is we're making a demand on the problem. We're making a demand on the sickness. We're making a demand on the disease. We're making a demand on the devil in the name of Jesus. And then Jesus will back it up. Remember, we read just a moment ago. 
the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. See, when, when, when you make a demand, when you pray this prayer of faith, when you make that demand in the name of Jesus, Jesus is going to back it up. See, in John 16, you ask the Father in the name of Jesus and the Father gives it to you. On this one here, you're not, it's not an asking, it's making a demand on, on the devil or whatever it is, the problem, in the name of Jesus, and then Jesus backs it up. Verse 14, if you ask or if you demand anything in my name, I will do it. I'm telling you, one of the main reasons that sickness and disease runs roughshod on God's people, one of the main reasons... That the devil runs roughshod on God's people. You know what I mean when I say runs roughshod, you know? is because people don't understand what Jesus said right there in, in John 14. Look at Mark eleven twenty three, and it'll bear it out a little bit better. Mark eleven twenty three. Jesus said this. He said, Assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this... To this what? Whoever says to what? Says to the mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. That's an example of this demand of faith, this declaration of faith. You okay? You study the ministry of Jesus and you'll see that Jesus, when he dealt with somebody that was sick, he never asked the Father to do anything about it. He spoke to the sickness. He spoke directly to the sickness. He rebuked the fever. Over at Peter's house, his mother-in-law was sick with high fever. Remember that? And Jesus rebuked the fever. He rebuked sickness and disease. He would People that were demon-possessed, he never asked God to do anything about the, the demons. He would speak to the demons and command them to leave. How many of you know Jesus, when he was in the boat that time, there was a storm. He didn't get up and ask the Father to do anything about the storm. What did he do? He rebuked the storm. Is that right? I mean, we've put, we've, I've got 30 years of putting these, these things in practice. We've had, we've had all three weather casters in St. Louis put bullseyes on St. Louis and even on the, the area in which we live that tornadoes, vicious tornadoes are going to come through and blow us off the, off the map. Over, I'm talking over the last 20 years. There's been different times. And I'm not saying we're the only church that, that did anything, but we're one of them. I trust that understand our authority that, that Jesus gave us in his name. And they've been, they've been headed our way. And we've spoke to them. We didn't go and cry and beg God to do anything about them. But we've spoke to them in the name of Jesus. And we've seen them go north. We've seen them go south. We've seen them dissipate. We've seen them break up. Not because we're anything, but because we understand there's power in the name of Jesus. And we didn't go ask the Father to do anything about the storms. There's times you go to the Father. There's times you pray to the Father. We're going to talk about those over the next weeks. But but there's times where, 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 where the devil's headed your way to blow you off the map. And, and you don't go and beg God to do something. Diane, would you marry me? Now, would that be stupid for me to ask her that? Why? Because she's already... Why are we asking God to... Go, God, heal me. Why are we asking Him to do... He's already done it. Do something about the devil. He's already done it. But he, Jesus gave... And, and, and I watch Christians and they just... For some reason, they just can't get this through their head. I don't know why. But listen, when, the, when we're dealing with the devil, you don't... Go and ask God to do anything about the devil. He gave us authority. We speak to the storm in the name of Jesus. Do you understand that? And it's not something I'm just telling you that we've done it. We've done it. We've, I've seen it over the last 20 years of this church. I've seen it probably six, seven, eight times where they were, gonna, they were supposed to be blown off the map. But the storm goes another way. 
dissipates. Gary, have you seen it? You've seen it. Not because I'm anything. But we, and, then, and then the prayer of agreement. One puts 1,000 to flight. Two puts 10,000 to flight. Every time you get somebody in agreement in the Spirit, you get ten times stronger. I tell you what, you can... Well, the devil shouldn't be running us around like a dog on a leash. We ought to be running that dog around. Where did Jesus put him? He put him under our feet. That's where we need to keep him. Can you say amen? You understand that? We don't need to be afraid of the devil. We know what Jesus did for us. I get stirred up when I start thinking about the devil and I watch him run roughshod over God's people. And one of the main reasons is because God's people don't know who they are in Christ and the authority they have. You hear me? You speak to the sickness. Speak to the disease. Speak to it. Don't lay down under it. Speak to it in the name of the Lord Jesus. Get bold with it. Do you hear me? I'm not saying there's anything wrong laying down and resting. I'm not saying that. I'm talking about spiritually. Don't lay down under sickness and disease. Rise up against it. Should we go to the doctor? I use the doctor if I need to. There, God, I believe God gave us good doctors, hospitals, medicines. I've got a good insurance policy on this church. If the devil did bro- blow the roof blow the roof off, we'll get put a better one on. But I tell you what, natural and spiritual things working together make an explosive force for God. Did you hear what I just said? Now, now let's quickly let's go through here. Luke ten. Come on, I'm trying to I'm trying to keep. This is a life and death message I'm preaching here to you today. These things can save your life. It save your children's life. Hang on every word. Luke ten seventeen. The seventy return with joy. Remember, Jesus sent these these guys out with authority, and they came back and they said to the Lord, "Even the demons are subject to us in your name." And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents, scorpions, over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. And certainly we should do that. But what's the point here? Look In verse 17, the demons were subject to, the, to these, these 70 in the name of Jesus. And in verse 20, the spirits were subject to them, to the, to the disciples in the name of Jesus. You say, well, Pastor Terry, wait a minute. That was, that, was in, that was during Jesus' ministry. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because after Jesus was raised from the dead, he said, all authority in heaven and in earth has been given unto me. Is that right? And then he turned to that group that represented you and me. And in, in Mark 16, verse 17, Mark 16, verse 17, he said, these signs will follow those who believe. Now, how many believers do we have in here? So these signs ought to be following you. They've been following me now for years and years and years. Notice, in my name, they will cast out demons we've done that a time or two around here over the last 20 years doesn't happen all the time i'd say in 20 years of pastoring this church 20 21 22 years of pastoring this church maybe three or four times where there's been a manifest uh, demonic manifestation and we ran the thing off in the name of jesus can you say amen They'll speak with new tongues. I believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Speak with other tongues. The Spirit gives the utterance. I believe in that. Verse 18. They'll take up serpents. They drink anything deadly. By no means hurt them. Now I need to give you a little teaching here. Mark 16. These verses here were not found. If you go to NIV Bible and Amplified Bible. Some other Bibles. These verses here were not found in the original text. So you cannot base doctrine on these scriptures. Do you understand that? So what you do in these cases is you go and you find other places in the Bible that will back these up. If you can find other places in the Bible, then these are good. If you can't, then, then you, you can't base doctrine on it. So do we find other places in the Bible, in the New Testament, where they cast out demons? Yes or no? Multitudes of places. Do you find where they spoke with tongues? Multitudes of places. Yes. Do you find where they take up serpents? Absolutely not. The only time was John, uh, Peter on the uh, Paul Paul on the Isle when he got shipwrecked. Remember, he took that bundle of sticks and the de- and the, the serpent came out and bit him and he shook it off. How many remembers that? But you don't find snake handling in the Bible. Say amen. You just don't. How many's glad you don't? How many's really glad you don't? 
and you bring a, you bring a snake in here, I told you what I'm going to do. You all know I'm going to get a garden hoe and have my wife kill it. Say amen. You don't see him drinking deadly poison. You don't see that. But do, do you see them laying hands on the sick and them recovering? You, you do. Sure, surely you do. Now, real quick, James 4, 7. Just give me a few more minutes. We'll, we'll close this up. James 4, 7. We're talking about the declaration of faith. It's not made to the Father. It's not made to Jesus. It's made to the mountain, the problem, in the name of Jesus. And Jesus backs it up. Therefore, submit to God. Then what does it say? So who's supposed to resist him? Did that say God will resist him? Did that say that Jesus himself will resist him? No, it said you submit to God, then you resist the devil and he'll flee from you. I just tell you, you need to resist him in the name of Jesus. If you resist him in your own power, he's not going nowhere. And I'll tell you something else. If you're not submitted to God, you can resist the devil all day long and he's not going anywhere. Did you hear me? You, if you don't submit to God, you can resist Him in the name of Jesus all day long. He won't go in there. You've got to submit to God. But, oh, if you get a Christian that's submitted to God, it didn't say you've got to be perfect, but submitted. If you've got a submitted heart to God and you're walking in all the light of the Word of God you've got, and you take that name of Jesus, I tell you what, you can slice the devil up six ways a Sunday and just run him down the road. Can you say amen to that? Look at 1 Peter 5, 8, and 9. See, Christians don't understand this. I've taught, and, and I'm not being ugly here, but it's just the truth. I've taught this for years. I've ta- teach on prayer from time to time. I teach on it. And, and then, you know, we come up in a situation where sickness and disease or something's threatening a Christian. And they'll say, oh, God, oh, God, please do something about the devil. Well, how, look. Do you, do you, I want to go back to this. Do you see what this is up here? If you can't see what this is, I hope I didn't blow anything out in the worship team there. But what is this? It's a plug. You plug it in. See, I'm operating by good rules there. But I understand a little thing, a little bit about electricity. How many of you know you don't have to understand much about electricity, do you? Just a little bit. Is that right? Is that correct? Now, I've been taught some things about electricity. And I know I already did the example, but it bears repetition. I've been taught. We understand it. We get it. Now, are you going to get a bucket of water and stand in it and stick your finger in that? But yet, we'll teach on this. We'll teach on it. And I'm, and I'm talking about 30 years of doing this, 20 years here in other places before that. And, and you, see, you see cancer hits somebody or you see, you know, something like that. And people are begging God. Oh, God. Oh, God, heal me. That doesn't, you're not going to get any results. Did you understand that? Did you get that? Do you think you got it? Okay. Look at this, 1 Peter 5, 8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil. And you really need to know this if you're a parent. Did you hear what I just said? Because if you've got little kids in your house under your authority, they, they haven't grown up and they don't know enough to resist the devil for themselves. It's your responsibility and it is incumbent upon you as the parent to know what your authority is in the name of Jesus. And it's up to you to rebuke the devil on the behalf of your children. Did you hear what I just said? Until they grow up to a certain age and then they're accountable for themselves. Should you take them to the doctor? Absolutely. If they need to go, take them. Say amen. But you also need to do your part in the spiritual realm, in the spiritual arena. You need to start resisting the flu over your children before flu season even comes. Did you hear what I just said? There's a spiritual side to it. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him. Steadfast in the faith. Who's resisting him? You are. Real quick, just a few more. I'm I'm almost done, but this is so important. I want you to get it. I'm going slow because I want you to get it because I've seen so many Christians not get it and they die young because they don't know how to resist the devil. Acts 3 and 6, Peter and John at the temple. 
the crippled man. Let's see, you could read the whole story for uh, on your own time, but just let's get cut to the point here for the sake of time. Acts three six. Then Peter said, "Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have, I give you." That doesn't mean he was broke; he just didn't have any money on him at the time. In the name. Now notice what he did. This guy is crippled there. Now notice what he does. He doesn't say anything to this. Is this is Peter? Now he doesn't say anything to the Father. Doesn't say anything to Jesus. He says to this crippled man, "What does he say?" In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up. And walk. And the guy did. Yeah, but he was Peter. Don't give me that. I know he was Peter, but he was a believer. Are you a believer? You've got the same authority he had. Acts 9.40. Tabitha had died. This young lady had died. Peter's there. And Acts 9.40, he put them all out. Well, he saw Jesus do that. Do you know why he put these people out? Because there's a lot of doubt and unbelief in the crowd. Lack of faith. Sometimes you just got to be a little bit rude and put some of that stuff out. Now, notice here, he knelt down and he prayed. Nothing wrong with that. But then notice what he does. He turns to the body and he says, Oh God, raise her up. What does he say? Tabitha, arise. Did he speak to God or did he speak? He had been talking to God. (laughs) You better be talking to God before you get in a situation like this. But then what does he do? He exercises his, uh, his authority and he turns and he says, Tabitha, arise. And what does she do? She opens her eyes and she saw Peter. She sat up. Can you say amen? Acts 16, 18. Come on, let's, let's, we're talking about the lives of your children here this morning. We're talking about your life. We're talking about the life of, lives of your loved ones here that, that are under authority. I used this authority to keep my mother safe all those years when she couldn't fend for herself. How many of you know, Diane, she should have fallen and broken bones many times. I, tr- I kept those angels busy with charging them with the word of God, keeping her safe. Acts sixteen eighteen. There was that that fortune teller following Paul and Silas for many days. But Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to God, "Did it, did it say that?" He turned and said to who? To the spirit, to that demon spirit. I command you now. Watch it in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. Do you see that? You see that. He didn't talk to, to God about it. Now, was it, had he been in prayer? A lot of these, uh, Peter and John, when, remember a moment ago when Peter s- uh, said in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up all. Well, they were going to prayer. They were going to commune with the Father, but they ran into this guy on the way and they, and they prayed what's known as a prayer of faith. It's a declaration of faith. They didn't talk to God. They spoke to the problem and, and they got results, you see. All right, we'll close in Matthew 16. We'll stop here. Let's go over here. Have you ever heard of the prayer of binding and loosing? Well, that, that binding and loosing falls in this category. It's really not a prayer. It's a statement of faith. Folks, I'm just I'm trying to help you. I want you to get this. I love you so much. I want you to get this. It can save your life. It really can. Matthew sixteen seventeen. Jesus answered and said to them, said to him, he's talking to Peter here now, because he said, Whom do men say that I am? And some say you're this prophet, some say you're that. And then he said, Who do you say that I am? Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And in verse 17, Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon, Barjona, or Peter, is who is he talking to? Flesh and blood's not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say that you are Peter, and on this rock I'll build my church. Now he didn't build his church on Peter. Say amen. There's two different Greek words. One is a big rock and another's little rock. Peter was the little rock. He did not build his church on Peter. Absolutely not. What he's talking about here is he built his church on the big rock. What is the big rock? The foundation knowledge. Revelation knowledge. Foundation knowledge. Revelation knowledge of who Jesus is. That's what the church is built on. It was not built on Peter. It's built, the church of Jesus Christ is built on, on, on the revelation knowledge of who Jesus is. He's the Son of the living God. Can you say Amen? He said, I'll build my church and the gates of Hades, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Can you say Amen to that? 
And he said, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. He did not give those keys to Peter. He gave those keys to everybody who, who will declare that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. So if you believe that in your heart, you have the keys of the kingdom of heaven here this morning. And then he says, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. He's given you the authority to bind and he's given you the authority to loose and whatever you bind he'll back it up Jesus will you bind it in Jesus name he'll back it up and bind it glory to God if you loose it in Jesus name he'll back it up and loose it glory to God do you see that do you see that our 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 prayers our, our declarations not prayers our declarations here in the earth give him an avenue to bind and to loose but we have to release those words in faith can you say amen Somebody said one time, Pastor, what do, do I bind it or do I loose it? It's very simple. If something is bound, you loose it. If something is loosed, you... But it's really simple. As I study the Word of God, I've found this. People need to be loosed from sickness, disease, and demons. And the devil and demons need to be bound. From running roughshod over people, from running roughshod over cities, from running roughshod over nations, states and nations. Can you say amen? And one of the main reasons that you've seen such darkness arise in the United States over the last eight years is because Christians, by and large, have not been keeping the devil bound as they should. And you see what we wind up with. Thank God I believe it can be turned. And we've got some time to turn it. Let's make sure we make good use of the time that we have. Because I'm convinced that if in the next three years Christians don't do what they're... One, it's kind of like on those wrestling matches down at the, Keel, at, the, at, the, at the Chase Park Plaza. Mickey Garagiola would come on, you know, it would be a 30-minute match, and he'd say, you know, 10 minutes have elapsed, 20 minutes remaining. You better listen to what I'm saying right now. I'm speaking prophetically by the Spirit of God. One year has elapsed. Three years remain. One year has elapsed. Three years remain to turn this nation around. One year, God's given this nation a reprieve. I said, God's given this nation a reprieve. If the other candidate had gotten in, we were headed surely enough for darkness worse than we had seen heretofore. But God has given us a reprieve. I said, He's given us a reprieve. I said, He's given us a reprieve. And one year has elapsed. Three years remain. One year has elapsed, three years remain to turn the thing around. To turn the thing around. Did you hear what I just said? It's time Christians rise up off of their blessed assurance and put God first again and put the Word of God first again and put prayer at the top of the list, not just something we get around to at the end of the day if there's time left, but wake up in the morning with prayers on our lips. One year has elapsed, three years remain to turn this nation around back towards the things of God, back towards the, the principles of the Word of God, back towards what God has intended for this nation to be. One year has elapsed, three years remain. Now, I don't know what will happen on beyond that. I don't know. I'm not, all I can tell you is I see out that far. And I can tell you one year has elapsed, three years remain to turn this thing around. Let's rise up. Let's rise up. I'm telling you, the, listen to me. The man that sits in the Oval Office, I believe, I don't agree with a lot of what he says and a lot of what he does, but... I believe God has given that to us as a reprieve. But the answer does not lie with Him. I'm telling you the answer doesn't lie with Him. It doesn't lie with any politician. It lies in the pulpits and the pews of the churches of this nation to rise up in the name of Jesus and the authority that we have and to pray and decree a thing and let it be a... make a vow, keep the vow, pray and decree a thing and let it be established and turn the thing around spiritually. Can you say amen? 
So don't just look to a man or a woman or a politician to, to do it. Thank God for all that. But let me tell you what. It doesn't lie with them. It lies with you and it lies with me. Can you say amen? We have to rise up in the power that we have. We have to do it. We have to do it. We have to do it. Because if we don't, the other side is going to rise back up. And I'm going to tell you what. You don't know darkness until you see what the devil has planned. But we don't have to let him back up. We don't have to let him back. Can you say amen? But there must be repentance in this nation. I'm telling you what, there's a lot of, and my wife said it, and she's right, there's a lot of patriotism, and that's good. But, but, but patriotism, as, 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 as good as that is, there's need to be, there needs to be repentance. Can you say amen? Did you get what I just said? There needs to be repentance. Christians need to get fired back up about the Word of God. Christians need to get fired back up about the name of Jesus. Christians need to get fired back up about these things. This is a Christian nation. We need to keep it that way. Can you say amen? Because the light of the gospel shines out to all the earth from this nation, perhaps more than any other. See, that's what the devil's trying to darken and put out. But I tell you what, there's got to be repentance. And and the preachers need to proclaim it. My God, preachers shouldn't be up entertaining congregations. Preachers ought to be standing up telling people what their rights and privileges are in the name of Jesus so that we can all stand up in that power in the spirit realm and turn this thing around. How many of you know abortion needs to be turned around in this nation? How many of you know same-sex marriage can't continue to be the law of the land. Can you say amen? We, we, we need to love people. Listen, homosexuality, it's sin. We can't accept that sin. We love the people. We can't accept the sin. Can you say amen? And the power lies with us. And I tell you what, we pray we stand in our authority, we stand in our power, and then we go out and vote. And the natural and the supernatural coming together makes an explosive force for God. But it's up to us. And I just hear the Spirit of God saying, I just feel like a crier here this morning. Crier, you know what a crier is. One year has elapsed. Three years remain. I've given this nation a reprieve. One year has elapsed. Three years remain. Make good use of that three years. Turn things in the Spirit. Rise up in your authority. Declare my name. Declare what it is you want from my word. Stand in that. Turn the thing around. Turn the thing around. Turn the thing around. Turn this nation around is what the Spirit's saying. One year has elapsed. Three years remain. Turn the thing while you can. I didn't have any of that plan. That's what the Holy Ghost is saying. Stand with me if you would. A little bit different here at the end, but that's all right. It's okay if the Holy Ghost moves a little bit. Is that all right? It's okay if he moves a lot. He can move however he wants. He's running this place, not me. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And I really don't know completely all of what that means, what I just said, but that's what the Holy Ghost is saying. I'm going to have to chew on some of that. I know what some of it means, but not all of it. Isn't Jesus wonderful? Folks, I'll tell you what. I've watched this over the last ten years. Maybe a little more. Christianity has become, and sad to say, a spectator sport. And it's, it, it, it's one of the main reasons the nation, spiritually, is so, you know. How many of you know when you come to church, it's not to be entertained by the worship team. You come to worship Almighty God. You don't come to be entertained by them, by the worship team. You come to enter in to worship unto your God, the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, and unto the Lord Jesus Himself, and unto the precious Holy Spirit. So many come to church to be entertained by the music. No, you come to worship God. Can you say amen? And then after they get done, then to be entertained by the preacher. 
telling you funny little things, things you want to hear. <laughs> you know, nothing wrong with having, having telling a little joke as long as it's clean or whatnot. There's nothing wrong with that. But when that's a preponderance of it, when you're always telling people what they want to hear, that and, and, and people come and they're entertained, and then they go off and they come back next week for another dose of it. Folks, it's time for Christianity in this nation. It's, it, it, it has got, it has had, it must stop being a spectator sport. It has to be a sport where we participate, all of us. As one dear sister told me a story, a true story about a Muslim that, got, that came to Jesus and got saved. Isn't that wonderful? And was headed to the United States. Was going to come over here and live. And, and, and the Lord Jesus spoke to his heart and warned him and said, Be careful about going to the United States. They don't respect me over there as they should. And that's the truth. But I want to turn that around. I want to do my part to turn that around. How about you? And it starts with us. It starts with us.